Well, today we continue this uh, series of messages for our stewardship uh, season entitled Why Church? And the first week we looked at um, why church? Well, church gives us a place to worship. And last week we looked at uh, church gives us a place to belong. And this week we will be exploring the subject of how the church is a place to grow and to be transformed. And to do this, we'll take a look at uh, just two verses from Philippians chapter 2, uh, verses 12 and 13. This is Paul writing to the church in Philippi. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. And here's an interesting verse. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good pleasure. God, we pray that you would uh, take these words of scripture and the meditations of my heart and speak to us a very clear message today about what it means to grow in our relationship with you, to be transformed by the power of your spirit. So speak to us today. May our eyes be open, our ears open, our hearts open to what you have for us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, we all want to grow, don't we? We all want to change, to be transformed, and it's so easy to see. I mean, why do people go to gyms? Why do people uh, participate in recovery groups? Or go see a therapist? Or read books on self-improvement? Even college, really, is a way to change your life to grow. It raises the question, can people really change? Can people really overcome habits that have been dogging them for years or heal from hurts, sometimes deep hurts, that may have happened to us when we were very young and still have a hold of us? Can people grow in love, become a more loving person? Wow, all these questions about can people really change? Such an important question. You know, I've noticed that this question often lies at the center of conversations I have with people um, when I do pastoral counseling. People who are struggling in their marriage, who are struggling at work in relationships in one way or another, or having a problem with a friend or a family member. Really, what are they coming to ask me to help them with is change. Can I become a more loving person, a more patient person? Can I not be so bitter and become more softened? Well, I believe wholeheartedly (laughs) that we can change. In fact, this is why I I do what I do, really. When I think about ministry and what I really enjoy, what really motivates me the most in ministry, it is being involved in a person's life and seeing God change them, transform them, seeing God uh, grab a person, inject them with new life, and then see them grow and be transformed 
by the Spirit of God, transformed into becoming more mature, healthier, really whole people. Uh, This idea of transformation, most people don't know this, but this idea of transformation, this process, really lies at the heart of Christianity. It's one of the core uh, beliefs or doctrines of the Christianity that um, we can change. I mean, you can take a look at, in the Gospels, look at Jesus Christ and how he relates to people. In almost every one of his encounters, he encounters someone who is hurting in some way, who needs healing, who needs hope. And he always moves them from that position to a new position in their lives. You know, last week, the last two weeks, we've looked at this passage in Romans 12, where Paul says, you know, your response to the gospel, to the good news that God has dealt with us with mercy and love, is what? To offer your bodies a living sacrifice, so what? So that you are not squeezed by the world, into the mold of the world, but rather be what? Transformed. By, interestingly enough, the renewing of your mind. So it's right at the heart of what we believe in in Christianity. God wants to help us to become mature people. To be whole. Really, who reflect the very character of God. As C.S. Lewis says in his classic little book, Mere Christianity, God's goal is to make us all into little Jesus Christs. People who actually reflect the character of Christ. Now, many people are, especially over the last, oh, last part of the 20th century, people often thought of salvation, which is really uh, what we're talking about here, and I'll go into that. Salvation just being, you know, kind of this thing that gets us into heaven. Kind of like fire insurance. (laughs) Although I don't really believe in that. (laughs) But, you know, that that's it. And yet, so much of God's plan for us is not just that, but once we come to know God, that God heals us. That there's this process. As a Baptist pastor once said, you know, if God's only purpose in getting you saved was to get you to heaven, we preachers would simply hold you under the waters of baptism a little while longer. (laughs) Now, I believe so, so wholeheartedly that the power of God's grace in our lives, because of it, there's always the possibility for change. For anyone. You know, the Apostle Paul obviously believed in the power of God to change human personality. This idea of transformation, of spiritual growth, is found uh, in our verse this morning, which is kind of a hard verse to understand. But actually, it's, it's littered throughout the book of uh, Philippians and really through all of Paul's letters. And it seems like one of Paul's primary purposes at least in this letter to the Philippians, is to encourage his friends to live a vigorous and disciplined Christian life so that the transforming power of God could have its full effect 
in their lives. Now let's take a look at what, this, what these two verses say about this, this process. Well, first of all, it is a process. <laughs> That's an important thing to know. It just doesn't happen overnight. We see this especially in verse 6 of chapter 1, where Paul begins really shortly, at, right at the beginning of the letter. For I am confident of this very thing, that he, God, who began a good work in you, work is salvation, will carry it on to completion. Great promise that God who has started this work in you is not going to abandon you. But God is always working in you to develop you, to transform you, to heal you. A strong affirmation of grace, right? God started this work. God will continue the work, and God will finish this work. It's a, it's a process that God is involved with. You know, there's this story of a famous theologian who taught at Union Seminary in New York who was walking uh, the streets of Manhattan, and there was a man there with a sign that said, Are you saved? <laughs> and as he walked by, the, the person holding the sign said, Hey, brother, are you saved? Wrong guy to ask. The theologian said, I am saved, I am being saved, and I will be saved. See, this is this process of salvation. See, we often think of salvation just this one thing, but it, it's, it's a process of being made whole. When Paul uses the word salvation, you know, it's translated, uh, it, it often is connected to the word shalom in the Old Testament. Shalom means, you know, peace, wholeness, well-being. All the, the different parts of your life are integrated. This is what God's doing in our lives. It's a process. And God will complete this work on the day of Christ. When Christ triumphs at the end of history. This truth means, and here's the good news. And I want you to hear it today. This means that we are never stuck in our lives. There's never permanence. That God's power is working in us to change us and to free us, to move us in our lives, even though sometimes we'd like to, God to speed it up a little bit. <laughs> If you are discouraged today about something in your life, maybe a hurt that needs to be healed or a habit that you can't break, man, be encouraged that it's not just up to you. The gospel says that God is at work in you. See, this is why I think, you know, it's, it's a fact that recovery groups that have an element of faith in them, and oh, they've also seen this in prisons when they're trying to, um, you know, improve, help the, the inmates grow. Whenever they're faith-based, they always are much more effective. It's just a fact. So often, even though prisons are state-run, they often invite religious groups in because they know the power 
of God working in a person's life. So salvation, this work that God is doing, it's a process, and it's a lifelong process. It's a dynamic journey between you and God, and God will finish the work. But here's what's important to know about it. We are partners. You know, you read or you listen to uh, one six where it says, you know, God will complete the work that has begun in, in you. It almost seems like we're passive, like we're not doing anything. But no, that's not true. There's a partnership between us and God. You are not alone. And God just doesn't bulldoze his way. We have to open up our lives to God. And this you see in, in chapter 2. Therefore, my dear friends, if you, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation. And, and here he brings in the words about salvation. With fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good pleasure. Work out your salvation. It's not passive language. Another translation says, you know, redouble your efforts. Be vigorous in your Christian life, in your spiritual life. In fact, Paul goes even further. He says, don't just redouble your efforts, but to continue to work out your salvation, but do it what? With fear and trembling, which is kind of weird for us to hear. Not easy to understand. What does Paul mean? Does he mean that we should be anxious about our efforts and try really hard and be fearful of God, worried that we're not doing enough, not working hard enough? Not at all. <laughs> I think he means this. People, the God of the universe is working in you. Wow! <laughs> That's what he means. Wow. When you realize that God is at work in your life, and not only in our individual lives, but in the work of the church, in working in the church, wow, it should inspire us. Wow. God is working in my life. You know, I remember a friend of mine telling me a number of years ago of, of after being a Christian for quite some time, she went through some really difficult times in her life, just really hard times. Part of it, her fault, part of it, just hap things happening in her life. And in the midst of those painful times, she had this, you know, I would call a mystical experience, which I believe happens. I've talked to many people who have had them. In which she realized for the first time, just really, how much God loved her. She realized God's grace, and she came to understand that what she was going through was not, not uh, worthless, but God was working in it to transform her, to heal her of this hurt that had just dogged her for so many years. And she said that at that moment, that realization of God's grace and love was so overwhelming that she felt like somebody had kicked her in the stomach. Wow! God is working in my life. This is what Paul is referring to. Let this awesome realization 
of the love of God, the power of God in your life, spur you into seeking all that God has for you. You see, I've read studies done that say most of the people in the church never really experience what God has for them. They never really realize the full effect of God's power in their life in this transformation. Don't miss out on what God can do for you. This is not salvation by works at all or trying harder. There's none of this here. It's a combination of human free will and God's sovereignty. We're in partnership. God is at work in me, but through my decisions, God's work can have its full effect in my life. So it's a bit of a a paradox. Let me give you an illustration. You know, one of the things about going, attending college at the University of California, Santa Barbara, which probably is the best university in the world, (laughs) in this way, you can take PE classes like surfing and ultimate frisbee and sailing. And I took sailing. We went down to the harbor in Santa Barbara, and we're in that little harbor. We're all in these little sunfish, you know, these two-person, I think they're called sunfish, they, little sailboats. And our instructor was in a powerboat with a bullhorn telling us what to do. And he's telling us how to work the sails and to catch the wind and, and all the rest. Now, you got to know there's a big difference between a sailboat and a motorboat, right? A sailboat... You are dependent on the wind. There's not much you can do if there's no wind. A powerboat, ah, you got gas, you have an engine, you can move when you want to. And so there we are, you know, it's kind of, I'm sure it's just hysterical to watch. All these little boats trying to sail in this harbor, and, you know, there are quite a few of us. And uh, all of a sudden, my partner and I realized that we were right in the path of the dreaded kelp harvester coming into the, into the harbor. This is a big boat, and it harvests, harvests kelp. Think about that. And my partner, I did not choose her because she looked like a great sailor. <laughs> she was cute. That's why I chose her. So we didn't know what to do, and the wind just died, and we were stuck. And here was this kelp harvester. I don't know how we were the only ones in this situation, but our instructor is yelling through the, the bullhorn, you know, do this, do this, do this. And we just, we were stuck. There was no, no wind. And I thought I was going to be harvested. And then all of a sudden, a little wind came up, and we, we were able to move a little bit. But See, the, the illustration I tell you this is because I'm, uh, I'm a proud alum of UC Santa Barbara, but also, God's spirit is the wind. And what we need to do is open up the sails of our lives to catch the wind. God's wind is always coming. It's always coming. It always wants to transform. It always wants to help us grow, but, you know, we're not really in control, as it says in John 3, 8, when 
Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. He says, you know, the wind blows where it chooses. You hear the sound of it, but you do not where it comes from, know where it comes from. Jesus says, so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. This, the wind, in fact, the word for spirit is, is pneuma, same as wind, like a pneumatic tire. Wind and spirit. The same, same word in the Greek and Hebrew. God's wind is blowing. We have to open up our lives. So there's this relationship between our role and God's role in transformation. We don't change ourselves, but we get the boat in the water. We can open the sails. And you know, sailing is work. You're hustling, especially if the wind is really blowing. Here's what I would say as I close. The church is a unique place to experience this transformation. Remember last week I said our faith is personal but never private? God always works in community. And our brothers and sisters in Christ really help us in this transformation. They love us when we don't feel lovable. They may have insights. They may be inspirations to us. You know, I look at, at Bob Wright. He was an inspiration to me of a person who just served God with joy, right? And abandoned and, and just boundless energy. I, I was just amazed at the guy, you know, 80-some years old and, wow, just served and served and served using his gifts. Inspires me. We can see hope in other people who are changing. Wow, I have friends that I've known for years who I can see God has taken their life and, and changed them and made them whole and more loving and more, more sensitive, more open. I've seen people heal from deep hurts. I've seen people overcome addictions that were wreaking havoc in their lives and in the lives of others. The church is a place where we can experience this transformation that God uses. In fact, when Paul says, I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you, it's, it's plural, as well as just for us as individuals. So all that we do here and all our plans in the future, this spiritual formation that is kind of new for this church, this is to help us grow and experience all that God has for us. All these classes we have, like the one... Kate is teaching next week. It's not just for information. It's transformation. And somehow as we interact with people and we hear things, God transforms, renews our minds and transforms us and helps us move toward wholeness. And that's the church. And I don't know where else you get that. Hear the good news this morning. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it on the day of Christ Jesus. Amen.